Hello and welcome to another edition of the Reptile Living Room. I am your host as always, John F. Taylor. And once again, we are brought to you by the wonderful Marsha McGinnis of Golden Gate Geckos for all of your uh, captive care needs or captive geckos as far as nefarious leopard geckos, African fat tails, and the colonic species. You can always find Marsha ready and willing to help at goldengategeckos.com. In today's episode, we are talking with uh, none other than Jonathan Silva of Crows Arachnids. We met Jonathan at the Reptile Show. In this episode, he's talking to us about uh, how he got started with uh, arachnids and inverts altogether and some of their uh, captive care tips and things of that nature. So, without further ado, here is Jonathan Silva of Crows Arachnids. Enjoy. We're here with uh, Jonathan Silva today uh, in regards to uh, Crows Arachnids and basically everything uh, arachnid related. So, John, uh, tell us how you got started with the bugs and spiders, as it were. Well, um, I spent a lot of time on the computer looking at some spiders after I had saw a television show through Discovery. And uh, unbeknownst to me, there was a local pet store down the street that had tarantulas. It was the only place place in town that had them. And uh, I went in, and I, I saw them, and they were just as amazing as they were on the computer. And I went in to try and get some, and they had sold out of just about everything remotely interesting. So oh, wow. I went in, yeah. <laughs> I went in the next day, and uh, they had gotten three spiders in. And I decided that I was going to start it off with a bang, and I bought those three spiders, and here I am. All right. And uh, so now what, spy, what kind of uh, arachnids are you currently keeping and uh, breeding? You know, I have several hundred different species. Wow. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I try not to be too discriminatory. I, I have everything from the common, quote-unquote, run-of-the-mill to the you-never-see-that one. Oh, okay. So. All right. Now, um, as far as... Uh, litigation or anything like that as far as uh, arachnids and bugs are concerned, because I've talked to some people over in Europe, and it's my understanding that I guess we can't ship bugs back and forth over uh, country lines, as it were, or is that accurate, or am I misinterpreting that? No, we do actually receive imports from all over the world. Okay. Uh, from certain countries we cannot import or export to, but uh, I actually have exported and we have definitely imported. Oh, okay. All right. Now, what made you decide to stay with arachnids? And uh, now, because you don't do just arachnids, right? You do. There's a couple other bugs that you. Yeah, we do invertebrates. You know, anywhere from mantids, tarantulas, millipedes, centipedes, the list oh, okay. goes on. All right, very good. So, what made you stick with the bugs versus something more? You know, what most people would consider cute and cuddly, as far as like you know, dogs or cats. Uh, first and foremost, I'm not a big fan of cute and cuddly. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Answers that question. <laughs> um, but I, I, I find them amazing. They are absolutely amazing. Tarantulas and, you know, the rest of the bugs. We, we do have a, a command of knowledge about them, but we don't have enough. And I love things that are undiscovered and unknown, and it's just been a discovering process sitting there and watching them for myself. So it's, right. been, it's been really neat. Right. Now, as far as um, having over 200 species, walk us through a daily routine with, with you know, at crows or actins. I mean, that's got to be, you know, 200 species, and knowing that spiders are uh, laying quite a few eggs at one point. Oh, my God. There's, there's <laughs> got to be, you know, I mean, do you have time to breathe or, you know? 
I don't. I definitely don't. Um, there was at one point in time when we had, I want to say, 23,000 babies, uh, you know, that had to be taken care of on a consistent basis. The schedule basically looks like primarily getting the breeders. There's, there's about 350 breeding tarantulas, um, getting those all taken care of. And the process is basically come in, take all of those tanks off the shelves, water them, and feed them. Everything is recorded, and we have it all on a database. And then the tedious process of feeding each and every little sling. So we've managed to schedule it down to a very fine art of being able to go only every other day, so about three or four times a week, and it takes approximately seven, seven or eight hours those days. Now, what are some of the uh, uh, early issues that you ran into as far as breeding is concerned? Um, there's no information, okay. and the information that is out there is um, questionable, and there's just not a lot of assistance. So my first, my initial breeding attempt was actually successful, but it was much too stressful, way more stressful than it had to be. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sitting there. I tell you, I was sitting there just wondering what was going to happen after reading all of the information I could muster together on that computer, and, you know, it was just, it was actually ridiculous. Uh, over the years, we've, we've refined breeding to a very, very simple and relaxed thing, but the fact that there was no information and incubation was, was difficult, trying uh, different methods to find out which one had succeeded the best with you know, the least discrepancies as far as how many eggs and how many came out. Oh, wow, okay. Now, what kind of, uh, what would, would you say would be the top, say, three or four species that you're currently working with? Uh, Clothilotheria metallica, the goody sapphire ornamental. Okay. Uh, I, I've produced that one twice, and both times the, the babies have sold out once we hit the expos. Um, definitely probably number one tarantula in the hobby. Okay. Um, a very staple species is the Avicularia versicolor, right. which is a yeah, very green and, and purple tarantula, also very, very popular in the hobby. Um, we are also working with the Mexican species, the Mexican red knees, the red legs, the fires. All of those are also very popular. So I would say amongst, as far as which ones sell, mm -hmm. those are probably the top. Okay. Now, what advice would you give to a new breeder that wanted to get into potentially breeding uh, invertebrates? Remain calm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mercy. Uh, yeah. I, I would just say, you know, keep, keep a level head right. and uh, just try to maintain some level of, of being calm because you're just so eager, at least I was, I was so eager to make sure that everything was okay, and, and every every 30 minutes I'd check on them to make sure they hadn't blown up, and, you know, just <laughs> any little thought, yeah, any little right. thought that passed through my head, just remain calm and just understand that it's trial and error, and if you're adamant and diligent about it, you will get there. Right, right. Now, when did you first unlock the species of the Goody Sapphires? Because I know that's pretty... That's, uh, from my understanding of it, that's a pretty prized uh, tarantula in the uh, arachnid or invertebrate world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Well, we first produced it not too long ago. I want to say about a year ago. Okay. And uh, this was after two attempts and two failures. So we had failed twice, and then we had succeeded the next two. So it's, it's been a 50-50 as of right now. Oh, wow. Okay. Very nice. Now, um, as far as working with something that's venomous, um, what are some of the recommendations you could give uh, our listeners on doing that? Well, in the arachnid community, handling is not very endorsed. Um, actually, right. it's, rec it's recommended not to do so. Okay. However, that's not going to deter many individuals who want to buy tarantulas for the sole purposes of being able to hold them. Right. Um, typically speaking, the venom is not potent enough to kill and or send an individual to the hospital. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's commonly... Uh, compared to a bee sting. However, if you have an allergic reaction, you know, to the hospital you go. Right. Um, so first and foremost is if you're going to get certain species that are known to have a stronger venom, avoid handling. That's gotcha. just number one. And, you know, use a cup or something of that nature when you're transferring the spider. Mm -hmm. And if you do have the urge to handle, just make sure that you you know what you're doing before you before you put your hand in the tank and, uh, you know, wear some gloves. Okay. All right. Now, uh, what is, in your opinion, just because I know listeners are going to ask at some point in given time, what is the most aggressive arachnid that you currently work with? Well, firstly, there, there's, there's a big uh, opinion matter on, on tarantulas right. being aggressive. There's, there's, some individuals who say they're defensive and there's others that say that they're aggressive. I guess that's all left up to how you want to interpret things. Right. But the, the common name King Baboon, okay. formerly Crawshy, but I know they've recently changed the, the scientific wording on that tarantula. Oh, that right. is probably the amongst the most aggressive and or defensive tarantula that, that we are working with. Okay. Uh, we have not yet produced it. This is our first time around trying to breed them and uh, definitely not handleable in any given situation. Really? Um, okay. No, no. And, of course, the, the infamous OBT, the uh, mid orange bitey thing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very, very, very flighty quick to defend, and uh, definitely not one you're going to want to handle. Wow. Orange bitey thing. I like that. Yes, yes. <laughs> now, what is the most uh, recommended docile or handleable species? I know you said it's recommended in most circles not to handle them, but... Sure, sure. Well, that's not going to stop everybody from doing exactly. it. Exactly, and I'd rather have them not handle an orange bitey thing rather, you know, <laughs> You know the 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 Gramostolas, they are they are very well mannered most of the time, and those are such things as the rose hair, okay. the choco golden knee. Those along that line are uh, you know if you're going to handle any of them, those are probably the best ones to do it with. Okay. There's there's quite a few, but the Gramostola they get large, they get pretty, and uh, they're definitely desirable. Right, right. Now, interesting because uh, I know. Typically, the next one up from the Gramostolas is usually the uh, Avicularias. And something I, you know, I knew about them, and the only reason I'm telling you this because I know you'll get a, a laugh out of it, I was unaware of how well that they are able to jump from a standing <laughs> position. Oh, yes. 
Oh that yeah. Was, uh, that was interesting. <laughs> they're the only ones. Yeah, they're they're the only ones. The big fat grandma stola that are, you know any of the terrestrial species can't quite do that. Right. But the uh, the avix they are definitely capable. I tell you. Yeah. Uh, funny story. Uh, had a had a guy working with us at my shop who who just ranted on and on and on about how much he hated avicularia and how how ugly they were and on and on well we had this, really? this really large yeah he didn't like them uh this really large avicularia metallica and she was gravid and she she positioned herself just so i mean i was looking at her i had never seen anything quite like it before and she fired a i don't know what you want to call it a poop cannon and hit him square in the forehead. That is awesome. <laughs> Needless to say, his, his moping and groping about how terrible Avix were was abruptly interrupted. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> yes, it was wonderful. Now, um, as far as uh, breeding uh, inverts and stuff like that, what would you say is one of the biggest risks uh, getting involved in the industry of uh, invertebrates and trying to start breeding um well there there are for one a lot of individuals out there breeding and or trying to breed um it it really depends on what stance you're going to take if you're if you're going to try to become a full-fledged business and really try to get started in the industry that's where you're going to face a lot of difficulty because you're going to have to compete with individuals who are already breeding thousands upon thousands of spiders or, or anything for that matter and if you're going to be an individual who wants to breed and and uh, provide to you know wholesale to to dealers and whatnot, your issue then becomes trying to get the spiders. Being that you you may not make a whole lot of money doing what you're doing, okay. so if you're going to try and and breed the cheaper species, it may not be advantageous financially. And if you're going to try to breed the more expensive species, you're going to put a lot of upfront cash before you ever see any any reimbursement. Oh, okay. What, I guess what species, because you have so darn many of them up, up at your uh, cross arachnids there. What species, I mean, because pretty much all the inverts that you guys have, you can keep in an apartment setting. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, is, is there any one in particular that, you know, probably wouldn't be a good idea to keep in an, an apartment setting? Um, I don't I don't think so. Um, yeah, I mean, it all depends on how, how cold your apartment is, I, I suppose. But uh, okay. because invertebrates are typically low-maintenance, you know, as compared to other animals, right. they are low maintenance, and they are actually ideal for an apartment setting, being that they, you know, they sit on a tank on top of your table. <laughs> right, right. You know, it's like, what else can you ask for? I mean, that's just exactly. And now, where would people go to see crows arachnids, or find, or order some arachnids, or what have you from you? Well, right now we're kind of in the in the midway process. We just moved facilities. And uh, our website is getting started up. Okay. Up until up until quite recently, I haven't done too much online, being that I kind of have the only supply in the Central Valley, as far as tarantulas go, for any retail stores. And I also go to all of the California expos. And between those two things, it's kept me quite busy. Okay. And um, the online market really hasn't beckoned to me, but we've okay. decided that we're going to expand to that because certain species that we have produced that are not selling at the expos due to the fact that expos tend to bring in the individuals who are starting 
or who are looking for something very specific. So sometimes not even the staples sell at the expo, and then we have 5,000 little baby spiders that we have to tend to. So the website is being composed. There are multiple tarantula forums where individuals may go and go to the classifieds where I am present, and they can buy from me there. Oh, okay. And what would what would you say is the most popular forum for finding crows arachnids? Arachnoboards and tarantulas.us. Yeah. Tarantulas.us, okay. Now, uh, <clears throat> just in closing, uh, on our interview here with uh, Jonathan Silver from Crows Arachnids, as we always do, we always ask, if money was no object and you could own any species whatsoever, um, what would be the ultimate species, uh, reptile or invertebrate, that you would keep if you haven't already? Hmm. You know what? I would I would have to say the fabled Leviathan of Egypt, the Nile crocodile. Really? Okay. That that would be neat. Okay. <laughs> Throw it in your bathtub, huh? <laughs> uh, you know, and that's the thing. A twenty twenty four foot croc. Oh my goodness! I wouldn't want to upset it. Yeah, really. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, Jonathan, I appreciate you uh, coming on the show today and talking with us about arachnids, and uh, look forward to um, actually speaking and working with you in the future on some of the projects we have coming up. Because I know our listeners are definitely going to be interested in uh, the arachnid species and. Uh, what's going on out there with them. Oh, yeah, no problem. It was a pleasure. Okay, so that was Jonathan Silva from Crows Arachnids. And, of course, once again, we are brought to you, as always, by the wonderful Marsha McGinnis of Golden Gate Geckos. And, of course, for all of your captive care necessities with your geckos, when it comes to nephurus species or coleonics, for that matter, African fat tails and leopard geckos, please do check out Marsha McGinnis at goldengategeckos.com. She's ready and willing to help you out. Uh, with any of your needs as far as your geckos are concerned. And do drop some comments on the blog or uh, in the show notes, as you would. Uh, rate us up on iTunes so we can uh, start showing iTunes that we are uh, very serious about what we're doing and that uh, we do have an audience and that you do enjoy it. And uh, look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks again for tuning into the Reptile Living Room.